Today, God, we are thankful to you and we love you. We thank you for Sister Florence, the work that she does here. And even though she's down in her body, she's even trying to get her now. We do pray for her. We lift up the family still grieving. We lift up the Hunt family and the Tisha's family. And we thank you for the life that Sister Viola lived, wanting her husband and son saved. And that happened. We're grateful to you that you have the greatest plan, the great plan. We are lifting up those who have lost loved ones recently and in the recent past. We are continuing to pray for our body who have lost Family members, today that you will give comfort, especially during those times of their anniversary. We pray today that you will give us uh, the ears to be able to hear what the Spirit is saying. May we honor you in all that we do. May we be careful to evaluate our lives, that we will know and understand that we will stand before the Almighty God. Keep us in your care today. Bless us and lead us in the path of righteousness. And may we follow. We give you the glory and all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. How many of you have been in prayer throughout this entire week? Been in prayer. Good Good to see the hands. How many of you remember to pray for your fellow members? Great. How many have been praying for your enemies? More hands. Oh, Lord. That's a, that's a wonderful thing. How many of you have been praying for your frenemies? <laughs> Ecclesiastes chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, and this is how it reads out of the ESV. The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. What does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun goes down and hastens to the place where it rises. The wind blows to the south and goes around to the north. Round and around goes the wind. And on its circuits, the wind returns. All streams run into the sea or run to the sea, but the sea is not full to the place where the streams flow. There they flow again. All things are full of weariness. Man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. What has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. Is there a thing of which it is said, see, this is new. It has been already in the ages before us. There is no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of later things yet to be. 
among those who come after. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Thank you, Sister Michelle. I want to thank Pastor Ronnie Small for the message that he preached last week. Just a wonderful message. The title of this message is, Is There Any Hope? Is There Any Hope? We have all, or most all, if one is an adult, heard the phrase, There is nothing new under the sun. Many generations believe that it is their generation that has arrived. And will impart new knowledge and wisdom and that previous generations or one's parents' generation is just too old and out of touch with the reality of the way things are now. All of you have thought that, oh, my parents are just old and foggy. They just don't know. These are the new times. Every generation has said that. Yet what we find with each generation in their quest to establish what they think may be new is in fact actually more of a desire to throw off the restraints that God has placed on us. The book of Ecclesiastes is written to believers. Some have considered Ecclesiastes to be a depressing book without any hope or anything to look forward to. However, it is a book that looks at the vanity of life apart from God and understands that ultimately it is God who gives one to enjoy what they have and to another the inability to enjoy what they have. It is a book that shows how one is to have a proper fear of God throughout their entire life. Not just when things are going bad or you need to get out of a jam. The accumulation of more stuff and the seeking of more stuff has not ended nor depleted the abundance of the earth. I don't care how many people come through this planet, how many people want to hang on and hug a tree. Every generation has been able to utilize and benefit from the earth that God has made while they themselves have passed off the scene. It's mankind that comes and goes while the earth remains. Vanity of vanities is a life without God. But it is the one who can have a proper appreciation of what God gives with a proper understanding that it is God that one is to ultimately seek and fear. The book of Ecclesiastes falls within the wisdom literature. According to Dr. R.C. Sproul, the title Ecclesiastes in the Hebrew tradition is koaleth, a transliteration of the second word in the Hebrew text. The Hebrew word koaleth or koaleth in one aspect, means gatherer. As you will note in the book of Proverbs, chapter 12, verse 9, or it means one that assembles or gathers an assembly. As in Exodus, chapter 
35, verse 1. Solomon calls himself the preacher. In verse 1, as well as in Ecclesiastes 1.12. It is believed that he is the author of the book. The date of the writing of Ecclesiastes, some who hold that Solomon is the author, would say, or let's say it this way first, some who say that Solomon is not the author, they would date the book basically after the Babylonian captivity or Judah's captivity in Babylon in the 6th century B.C. That would be after 5 86 B.C. There are some who say that we don't believe Solomon is is the author based on certain passages. But it is believed that Solomon is, I'd say the pastor, but he is actually called the preacher here. But it's believed that he is the author of this book. And if he is in fact the author, it would be dated from the 10th century B.C. That would be between the 901 to 1000, that's the 10th century. In the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon is never mentioned. The book, as I mentioned, is believed to be written to believer, believers rather than those who are ignorant, according to Dr. Sproul, or who are in rebellion of God's laws. The book is God's counsel to those who knows his ways. There are pr- three primary themes in the book of Ecclesiastes. Dr. Sproul notes three primary, or what we would call overarching themes. Number one, facing the frustrating and, per- and the perplexing side of life. When you look at Ecclesiastes, there is a facing the, the frustrating and the perplexing side of life. And you note that as we work our way through the book. Number two is that one has to learn how to find joy and satisfaction in life. And number three, fearing God throughout one's entire life. There are two fundamental concepts that one will constantly come across. The word vanity and under the sun. There's another Hebrew word, hebel, which occurs 18 times, and it means vanity. There is a nuance with that word abel in the, Greek, in the Hebrew, because not only does it mean vanity of vanities, but it also deals with that which is frustrating and that which is oftentimes fleeting. If you are trying to go after money, you will sometimes find that money would just seem to sprout wings and fly away. A chasing after the wind. You'll see that as a theme constantly coming up in the book of Ecclesiastes, chasing after the wind or under the sun. When the author uses the term under the sun, it means the life in which we live on this side of eternity, in this world. He is not so much looking at eternity in the sense of life after death. His focus is within this realm often. But he concludes towards the end that unless one has really a relationship with God, everything would appear to be a vanity. He uses hyperbole. He uses expressive language. So when you're looking at this book, you must understand 
that there is an exaggeration at times as he makes his point. Hyperbole is oftentimes used. The word hebel also means vapor or breath. When we consider Solomon, the wisest man that lived, you will recall that he asked God for wisdom. When the Lord came to him, said, Solomon, if there's anything that I could do for you, what would you want? And Solomon said, I am a youth without understanding, and given this people, I, I need to have counsel, wise counsel. I need to be able to give, have you give me wisdom. And it so pleased God that Solomon asked God for wisdom. He says, not only am I going to bless you with wisdom so that there's no person in the earth that will ever measure up to you, I'm going to also bless you with riches. Solomon was very wealthy. The richest man is believed that ever lived or at that time. And he was a man that people came from all walks of life to hear his counsel. But Solomon made a major, had a major sin at one point in life. Solomon, in his old age, left the will of God and the word of God. And because of the wives that he married, the Bible says in his old age, they led him astray. And he began to build temples and idols to his foreign wives. And because of that, the Lord says, I'm going to judge you. And we have, because of Solomon's sin, the, well, primarily, the dividing of the nation. Point one, listen to what the preacher has to say. I'm going to only be dealing with that point. Listen to what the preacher has to say. If the church doesn't hear the preacher, they don't hear God if the preacher is preaching the word of God. Solomon, in his calling himself preacher, the word in English, koaleth, in the translation into English means preacher or teacher. Solomon identifies himself as the preacher, as the teacher. That is what the word is translated to in the English. And what, he, what you have is an autobiography of, of Solomon's life. It is often in the first person, but then you will see at times him saying things in the third person as Note at the very beginning, of all professions, it is the preacher who has the responsibility to sound the alarm for God. If the people didn't hear the prophets in the Old Testament, if they didn't hear the word of God, they didn't hear God. The Lord was always in the business of giving warning to his people, and he would send his word through and to the prophet. And he would say, they need to hear what the prophet is saying. And if you recall, the prophet not only had the responsibility of telling, of telling or foretelling that which was to come that had not come to pass, but it also was a foretelling of God's word. It was a saying, this is what God is saying for you to do now. So it did not only predict, he or she did not only predict the future, that person, that prophet, often stood there, and told the people, this is what God is saying. 
would oftentimes, would often led to the nation going into exile was the fact that they refused to hear the messenger that God sent. Do you not know that today the Lord has used the same method to have ministers and preachers and teachers to stand, and at that time, teachers sat and the audience stood. Aren't you all glad that y'all don't have to stand <laughs> throughout the entire service? But the teacher's position was to sit while the people stood and listened. I wonder how many people fell asleep when they were standing up. We know that in the New Testament, one person fell asleep and fell out the window. The show did. Paul was preaching and died and, oh, Lord, went down and got him and got back up. He went back upstairs. Okay, let's continue. All night long. <laughs> let, me, let me say this. I, I, I am understanding and seeing more that the church needs to hear the word of God. It's, it's becoming evident when difficulties arise that people are not necessarily taking in and remembering what the word of God is based on their response to difficulties and trouble. Do you not know that when the trials of life come to you, it is often a reflection of what you have taken in regarding the word of God? Do you believe the promises of God and what he has said? So when the word comes, it is not to come just to tickle you, but it, it comes so that you will be challenged, so that you will ponder and meditate on the word of God, so that when the trials of life comes, you will be able to stand against those difficulties that are sure to come. The preacher encourages, rebukes, corrects, pronounces judgment, speaks hope and life, and the list goes on. After surveying life and acquiring so much, Solomon, in verse 2, gives the theme of the book, vanity of all vanities. The Hebrew word, Abel, vanity, that is the theme of the book. Solomon is, co is coming as a preacher, as one who has experienced everything that one can experience under the sun. It is his biography, autobiography, of reflecting back as he surveys life and draws these conclusions that at the end of time, all is vanity. It is the idea that when he looks and surveys, that when one considers life without God, it is vanity. He deals with the frustrating and the perplexing issues of life. Everybody has been disappointed at some point. Everyone has been discouraged at some point. Do you not know it is not a sin to be discouraged at times? It is a difficulty to be there and stay there. But even in the midst of discouragement, even the disciples and the apostles, they would look up and they would remember what the word of God said. And they would take courage in his word. Discouragement comes, but it is something that one should not dwell on. It is not something that one should not linger in or just stay there. Yes, one gets discouraged. That's an emotion that we often have. But it's what we do. Do we take our discouragement to the Almighty God. To understand Solomon, one has to be very careful to keep in mind throughout the reading that he is dealing more so with life on this earth, one that is dealing with this life, as one would say, under the sun. 
For the wisest man and the one who denied himself nothing comes to the conclusion that it's all meaningless. I'm going to die one day. Just like the person who has committed every crime, everything that could possibly, everything he could, he could possibly do, he's going the same way. I'm going to have to leave all the stuff that I've accumulated to somebody else. And how do I know if that person's going to be wise with what I leave? There was one person that was that didn't want to leave his Cadillac. I heard him was buried in his Cadillac. Um, there's somebody probably trying to dig it up. I'm going to get that car. <laughs> what you have here on this side of eternity, one has to understand that it's the Lord who gives the privilege to enjoy it. <laughs> Every generation, in verse 4, that comes on the scene generally goes through the same cycle. They get, they're born, they grow up, they get married, have children, hopefully in that order. If not, they have children. Sometimes they get married. They work. And they leave this earth. I don't care how many generations have come. It's been the same thing. And when you look at this perspective, when you look at Solomon's evaluating, who denied himself nothing, this is all, it's vanity. What do I have in regards to what I've accumulated, all this stuff, am I any better off than the animal? But oh, if one is only to consider this, without God, one would be most miserable. But, but Solomon is, is looking and saying that, oh, how empty life is without God. There are people today that are that searching still for the answer to life. And even though the answer is available it's not the answer that many people want. Even in the church. They said, I've heard that before. I don't want that. Well, that's the answer to your problem. It is something else, something that, could, that, that can make me feel good, that will make me feel better. I want something that will come and give me a jolt. No, you just need to do what you need to do. Just do this. That's it. There, there, there's nothing, nothing uh, um, unusual about this. Just obey. But it seems so simple, yes. Sometimes it is. The most difficult problem sometimes can be solved by going back to the very basics. You know what many baseball players do and many professional sport players do? When they get into a slump, they go back to the basics. They go back to the very beginning of what they learned. And they begin to implement that. If they're having a problem with hitting, you know what they'll do? They'll go spend extra time in the batting cages. They'll, they'll, they'll go and spend time hitting the ball, and they will then evaluate their swing. What am I doing wrong? Oh, I see I'm pulling off the ball. They will even have another person at time that will come and watch them and help them to say, oh, you need to get this back. And the time that they put in will often be reflective of what they do on the baseball field, any sport. Why do we think it would be any different in life in the church? If a person is not reading their Bible, if a person is not going to church, if a person never goes to Bible study, if a person never goes to any other events and problems come up, why would you think you would have the solution and that you would be able to go through that? Because you have left the basics. You're not doing the very thing that would carry you through. So oftentimes we are looking for quick fixes when actually we need to go back to the basics. Solomon says each generation comes and goes. Every generation thinks that their generation is the one 
that has it all. They just don't understand. That's what I said about my parents. They just don't understand. My nine-year-old self, they just don't get it. I knew everything in nine, ten years of age. My parents just didn't understand. So it was my responsibility to help them by trying to sneak and do things. Because they just didn't get it. My responsibility to not get caught didn't always work out so well. I understood they knew some things that I didn't know. And they helped me along the way with Mr. Postman's belt. The postman's belt was something to be avoided. I didn't like it. I didn't mind when my mom spanked me because she didn't hit as hard. My dad, it was a whole different story. There was no faking with him. My mom, I could fake and fall out like I was hurt, get less licks. Him, he hit me, it was real. Was no faking, falling down. No, no, no. I was under severe and extreme pain. Thank God that my dad often talked to me. It was Ronnie that got most of the whoopings. I tended to learn to move out the way. <laughs> Life, anything that is put in the place of God and sought to bring satisfaction and peace will one day lose its luster and appeal. Do you not know that God sets discipline and he sets also joy before his people? There are some people that have everything in the world and can't enjoy. You know why? Because they are so busy wondering and trying to keep from losing it. Every generation is trying to amass all the stuff and is afraid that they're going to lose it. There was a rich man that, that, was, that was so stingy that he had a payphone in his own house that the kids had to put coins in the payphone to make calls. Sad, 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 sad. So we have the generations today that Solomon notes, that comes and goes. But he notes something. The earth remains here. The earth doesn't change. In other words, when you think about this, it's fascinating. People come and go. People think they are doing something new, but they're not. But the earth remains. Have you ever thought that you at one point knew more than God? There are people today who think they know more than God. The world thinks that because they said that if God was such and such, he wouldn't do this. You automatically know just from that statement, they don't know what they think they know. You see, when it comes to the Lord and evaluating life, you have to come with a completely different mindset. You, you can't come with the mindset from your own understanding. You've got to first come and say, God, I don't understand everything that there is. There's things, there's some things that just puzzles me. But I know this, that what I don't get, you clearly do understand. And when you survey everything in life, and you look at your life, many people go through this matter of evaluating their life, and they come to what is called the middle age crisis. And they reflect back over their life. And some people even change careers. Do you not know? That sometimes that's okay to do. 
But that's really not the problem always. Because if people are trying to find satisfaction only in what they do and not understanding that it's God who helps them to enjoy what it is, one could be doing the most menial task and do it with gladness because they know that it's the Lord that they're serving. Solomon goes on in verse 5 to say, the son hastens to turn. His language is colorful. And let me just say this as I, as I come to a conclusion soon. The, the book of Ecclesiastes is a book of prose as well as poetry. It blends it too, and it's not always easy to, ter- to determine what, where one begins and where one ends. When he mentions the son hastens, it's as if a person is running. And that word hasten means to pant. Have you ever been running real fast? And you got to the end and you, and you just basically out of breath. He's using that word. It, it means to pant. Sometimes we can run so hard in life. And we can pant. And we can run. And we can be running after the wrong thing. But isn't it marvelous, marvelous that God's order continues as it is? Even though every day may often look the same, every day is different. Every day is different. When you get up in the morning, you are one step closer to eternity. You are one step further from the day that you were born. You you are one step closer to being able to enjoy the marvelous, marvelous eternity that God has given and made for you if you're in him. You see, the day that God makes, it looks the same, but it really is different. And and even though we run in life, the order that God sets, it continues and it's set in motion. Do you not know most people don't get up saying, I wonder if the sun going to come up today. People don't worry about that. Because why? They know that there's an order set in place. But you get up and say, man, I wonder what in the world is going to happen today. And rather than looking at it as a way of being able to explore with God, people oftentimes fear what's going to happen. Rather than saying, Lord... Today, what are we going to do? I I want you to be with me today as I go through this life. Oh, the sun just came up. God, what are we going to do? And oftentimes, we are running and panting after the wrong thing. Let me say this. If people refuse to hear the truth, don't change the message for them. Keep telling them what they don't want to hear, the truth. Don't fall into the trap of trying to satisfy a person's emotional state, but tell them the truth. I I don't think you need to marry such and such because that person ain't saved. I love them. I just want to marry them. Well, you say you're a Christian. Is that person a Christian? No, they're not Christian, but the Lord has, we're going to grow together. I'm going to, they're going to be a Christian one day. Well, until they do, the Lord says that we are not to be unequally yoked. Don't change the message. To unbelievers, yes, but for a person. So in other words, what are we to do? We're to carry God's word forward no matter what the occasion. Not just because it's popular, but because it's the very thing that needs to happen and what God has called for us to do. In conclusion for today. If you weren't careful with all of Solomon's wisdom, his talk would cause you to believe that he might be a person that needed to be put on suicide watch. 
Vanity of vanities. Why? Because there does not appear to be any hope in his message. Yet there is great hope when one realizes that Solomon understands and understood the importance in regards to what it meant of needing to have a proper fear of God. So when he says everything is meaningless, you've got to remember this throughout this entire book. Everything is meaningless without God. Everything is meaningless without God. Everything does not have any value apart from God. Surveying this life, one would think, man, i got to get out this rat race. No, but in this race, we've got to remember it's the Lord that we are to honor and that gives us joy. Finally, in concluding, there's no remembrance in verse 11 of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of later things yet to be among those who come after Remember, Solomon is dealing with this life, not in eternity. And so he's surveying. And if you take a look at all that Solomon says, you've got to make sure that you look at the larger things of what he's trying to cover. And as we go through these, these teachings, Solomon has great wisdom. I encourage you just to read the book of Ecclesiastes straight through in one reading. Just read it straight through. But we'll be going through systematically in parts and looking at what he has to say. I wish, as you stand to your feet, that every person would say, I want God to be my leader. I want God to be my deliverer. I want God to be my keeper. I want him to be my strength. I want him to be the one that I look to. Whatever I do in life, I want God to be honored. I want him to get the glory. If you recall in your life, the day that you came to the Lord, you can see over time the difference that it has made. You might even see yourself having grown, but you can't stay there. You can't remain there. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity without the Lord. But with the Lord, everything that God has given can be enjoyed things that he brings into our life and he's the one that can sustain us even through the difficulties lord we thank you today we honor you today for your goodness is there any hope yes but only in the lord you have given us a life you have given us privileges and blessings and even though solomon was the wisest man in his surveying all that this world has to offer that it has to be understood and has to be looked at as being in the right perspective under God so today we pray that you will help us to keep in mind that there's hope but only in the Lord that what we do in this life what we do in this world should be to the glory and the honor of God that we must remember that we are passing through Every generation comes and goes. But what do we do with the Lord our God? What is our hope? Our hope is the Lord, our hope of glory. We thank you today and we praise you. We give your name all the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. May God bless you. Amen.